Megan Van Petten with Esports Trade Association and a big welcome to Caleb Smith. Welcome to the show, Caleb. How are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Thank you for joining. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. What a great look you have. I'm feeling like I might need to spruce things up a little. <laughs> yeah, well, you may not be able to see, but we have the LED lights there in the back. It helps spice things up. Nice, cool look here. Also, your video quality looks good. Your audio quality sounds good. Uh, well, Lighting this is a is streaming nice. setup, so I'd hope so. That's great. And I also hear activity in the background. Do you yeah. have some training classes going on now? We do. So right currently as a Fortnite workshop happening, but we do have multiple different workshops that happen throughout the week here. So some are based towards the younger crowd, such as Fortnite, Overwatch, Minecraft, and the others are more for the older crowd, such as Apex Legends or League of Legends, those type of games. So something for everyone that we have going on here. Well, you know, that I just, one of the things that really um, excited me when we talked, and it's, it's so great to have you as a member of the Esports Trade Association, is that, you know, with COVID, you thought out of the box. And you, here you have a land center. And it's like, what do you do now? Um, are people still coming to the land center? And I love that you guys created these classes. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. And I mean, the thing is with it, we opened October 23rd. So we never knew what it was like to be open before like pre-COVID. And so, when we opened, it was like, we just started brand new. So it may have been lots of people coming in, may not have been. The main thing we noticed was that people needed a reason to actually come here. I get it, I get it. What about the wireless six? What's going on with that? The higher speed? Higher speed. So that has a little bit, depending on who the people are. And I know a lot of teams, that they like to come and train here and play in different matches because of that. Now, Google Fiber is actually very popular in this area, so Raleigh, Cary, Morrisville. And so because most people have that, it, they don't actually need to go somewhere. And so that's why, like I said, people need a reason to go. Well, then the only reason is because it's better to be right next to your teammates while playing. Exactly. So then that's, but if they're just playing at home solo by themselves, uh, the people will say, oh, yeah, I wanted to get out of the house. So they'll come there for a couple hours. But it, it hasn't been a set in stone, you know, going to pay the bills off of, you know, people just coming in and playing. You have to offer something such as a workshop or a youth team to play for or some type of camp. So what you're saying is the bandwidth doesn't, doesn't affect the play. You need to add more. Correct. And it depends on how competitive a player is. For instance, we have one Madden player who's trying to go pro, and he says that he plays better when he comes here. So for him, that's his reason why. And then most people here that, you know, have their own setups, their setups are custom built to their liking and how they wanted it to be. And so therefore their own PC at home is better to play on. And then what, like, argument like there is you know with the U team I said okay great you have an awesome PC set up at home but when you go to Atlanta I said you're not playing in the LCS 
you just like, so the thing is most of the land events when they actually happen again, they're gonna be going to, they're gonna be equipment four years old, you know, outdated graphics cards, all that stuff. I said, get used to whatever you have to play on. Right, right. So you have some pro players that come. How many can you handle in your facility no, at the so speed that they need to win? So we have 49 stations total and we have a one gig by one gig fiber internet. And the thing is too, is not all the pros come at the same time. For instance, if they play in the open division, you know, in Overwatch, then I'll just be six coming probably like a Saturday when they have a match. If it's a sports game such as FIFA or Madden, there's something called Ultimate Team, which you can play anytime you want to 24 seven. So they come at random times. We also have youth rec teams coming in and to play out of here. And then just whatever the competitions are. So for instance, if Epic Games have, you know, the FNCS, then the pros like to come in and play from that, from here and that. So it just all depends, not very rarely will there be, you know, five competitions at once that, you know, we need 30, 40 players in for. You know, I find it fascinating that you guys opened in October. So COVID didn't stop you. So, well, a little bit, COVID delayed our opening. So we were supposed, we thought we were gonna be opening back in March but then the shopping center was late on getting stuff done. Then our internet providing company was late. And then with how the whole COVID was and everything with the rules here, we actually weren't able to open up until October 10th, it was, I believe. And so we opened up October 23rd, you know, after that. So, I mean, it was good that we ended up avoiding, you know, those six months that were just, businesses shut down and all the closures and everything that happened. And so well, this was in the plans. We signed our lease in August of 2019. So, it was, but then another, the business was in this, set in the space that we were in and we had to wait for them to move. And there were so many different factors that came in it. And it truly was, you know, like a you know, whole pain with everything that happened, but we see now we have the center up and running well. So happy about that. So are you glad that you got into this industry and who do you look to as, um, I guess a business plan or model to follow in the land center industry? So I am glad I got into it, even though this isn't the best time to own brick and mortar, but that's part of life, the struggles within it. And from looking at it, I look at lots, I looked at gyms for one, and then, you know, other businesses, you know, for instance, like Code Ninjas was one of those where they do lots of things tech related, like coding and PC building, which technically we could do here. But I was like, okay, well, we do gaming. It's like, we, and what we say is like, we build character and life skills through productive video gaming here. And then within gyms as well, I like boxing. And then at the boxing gym, the way it works is you can go there and take classes. They also have an option where you can rent, you can just go and work out whenever you want to, or just in the open time. And then 
they have private training as well. So I was like, okay, how do we incorporate all these things into one, all these different things that I see? Because I was like, adding all of it will help result in us is really doing well and giving people what they want because you know everybody wants something different. And then even still, there are the people that just want to come in and, and play. Like we have a $15 night pass, 7 p.m. to close Friday and Saturday nights. And then we have a group that comes in every single weekend and they'll be there for, you know, five to seven hours just gaming all night. So it just, you just have to really figure out what people want in your area because every area is different. True. Tell me a little bit about your area. Where are you? What's going on? So I'm in Cary, North Carolina. It's right outside of Raleigh. And then Cary is almost known as the amateur sports capital in a, you know, North America. We have lots of NCAA finals here, the USA baseball here. And as far as amateur sports, because you know we have the Duke, UNC, NC State. Esports hasn't really taken off here. It's been, it is the East Coast as well. It hasn't taken off as compared to the West Coast. But within this area, it's a very nice area to live, always in one of the best cities to live, best cities for millennials, right. the best, it's like safest cities in America. So we're up there on, you know, all the statistics. Obviously here, every, I mean, everywhere, kids love playing video games and, and you're just having a blast with that. So as far as our area goes in comparison to others, I'll say people here are pretty friendly and, you know, real outgoing. They like to do stuff, like to get out of the house, do different activities, things like that. COVID here, a lot of people have been very concerned about it. I went to Springfield, Missouri back in, I believe it was June or July. And then there was like, COVID wasn't even like that big of a deal for most people. And then it was like, but here, I mean, even now still like, it's bad, you know, a lot of people still on lockdown. So, I mean, there's been a lots of different effects that have occurred. There's still enough people that go out. I mean, as long as you're being safe, taking proper precautions with everything, obviously we're not, we don't have 200 people in here at one time. So then most people still feel safe and comfortable going out. Parents want their kids out of the house. They talk about how by offering this to them, it promotes good behavior at home because they tell them that if they don't behave, they don't get to go. And then they said they get to limit their video game time at home because they said, well, why do you need to play? You get to play tomorrow at Contender. And so they really like that. And they say, yeah, I get so much done with the kids not with me. So I'm thinking a little bit about your business model now. Can you tell me what's next? Are you expanding? Um, also, I know that you are an athlete yourself, so I'd, we'd love to hear a little bit about that. And um, this is a family-owned business, correct? That's correct. So hey, look, as far as expansion goes, first, we want to get this one up and running and doing really well. And then there's the idea of potential expansion. What we are looking to do currently is contact the different cities, you know, like the Parks and Rec, or some of them have it for different programs for lower income youth and things that help keep kids off the street. Whereas they wanted us to go and do a workshop for them, you know, wherever that they may have a 
facility at where they just bring in, they would be all console based, but they bring in consoles and have us operate different workshops. And so then from there, we could decide what the best markets would be to do. And then also we may expand the current facility that we do have, just depending on what the demand of the market actually is. Question, yes, I am a former athlete. I Yeah, played. you have a little bit of a Rudy story, right? A Rudy story? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, so I, I grew up here and I, I grew up in Durham, North Carolina, and I played soccer overseas in Germany for three years. I left right out of high school. It was that I really had no interest in playing collegiate soccer because it's not very good. And I like love watching so European soccer on TV. So I wanted to go over there and play. So I did that and did that for a couple of years. And pretty much I hit a point where I was like, okay, I may get one league higher, maybe not, but there really wasn't that much more advancement. And so my thing was, I was like, well, I'm happy where I am. I'll keep playing at this level. But then an esports opportunity hit me and I knew that within the industry and how fast it was growing and rising, that it was pretty much, that was in August of 2018. So I was like, I have to get you know into this industry soon. And so there won't be that many opportunities is you know come you know a year or two from now or even five ten years when I plan on finish playing and so pretty much I searched around found the opportunity to open a land center and then went on to do that and that was a long struggle painful process but glad to have it open now. Does it help that you were a professional athlete are you incorporating coaching mm -hmm. into your land center and your programs? Yes, we are incorporating coaching. I think it really does help. And because pretty much within what we've done within our teams and the workshops, we just copied the you know youth sports model to an extent. And the only difference I would really say is that age doesn't matter There's so much within esports because I mean, you take a 13 year old and 18, well, I'm 23, but I mean, the 10 year old here would absolutely destroy me. But then and if we go out and run track and field or play basketball, I mean, even if they're more skilled than me, I mean, obviously, because I'm going to, if they're 13 years old, I'm gonna, most likely I'm going to be, you know, bigger, faster, stronger than they are and have that advantage. And so, and esports isn't as established as traditional sports are, but then it's be able to be, parents understand the youth sports model. So being, they were able to relate to that when I told them about it, as opposed to trying to say, oh, this whole new, new brand new thing within esports. And so it really does help like of how we plan out the sessions and what we do within it, because we, we understand the different stages of learning. I mean, obviously these, their training is different if someone's eight as opposed to if they're 12 and based on the skill level and what exactly is. So the workshops we do are mostly individual skill-based. And then the teams, we focus more on tactical skills within those. And then our teams are very challenging to actually get on. We just start our, our Overwatch team and we're gonna have them playing in the open division that starts in March. And then we're trying to get them all up to gold level. And now they see how challenging it is. And then, like I say, one thing, I thought I was very good at soccer. And a lot of people are like, oh, you must be really good. I'm like, 
Well, I thought I was, then I went over to Europe and I'm like, yeah, I'm not that good. And mm -hmm. so you know, there's always another level. And until so you actually experience it, I mean, you don't know any better. And so that's a story I like to tell the kids and for them to realize. And our Fortnite coach, who is really good, one of the best players in the area, he absolutely destroys the players. And he says to them, guys, I've only made $1,000 playing the game from two years. And they, you know, all talk about Booga making three mil. I'm like, that's one person. And he's like, guys are far, far off from that. There's talent, right? Yeah. And then there's practice, practice, practice. And it's a mixture of both, I think. True. So, because I mean, some people have the talent and other people, you know, practice, 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 but there you reach a, a certain cap. And I mean, there are a lot of people out there, no matter you know, how hard they work and things like that, I mean, they're only going to reach a certain level as opposed to, you know, somebody that has a talent. Like for instance, people like you take people like Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, yes, they had the natural talent and ability for, you know, basketball, golf, whatever sport might be. Now they did put in the work, like I have to give them credit on that. But what a lot of people don't realize is like your talent does have an effect. I mean, you're not gonna play basketball like Michael Jordan most likely, but what you can take is, you know, that competitive nature, mental drive and all that, you know, and translate that into something else that you do because we see a lot of for instance Phil Knight the founder of Nike he was saying in his book Shoe Dog that he wanted to be a professional track runner well he only got to the collegiate level and I mean that was as far as his natural talent took him but then he had that competitive nature that you know work in real hard type mentality and he was able to take that and translate that to the business world to create Nike. Well you have done a lot in your career and here you are okay. um what what a what an accomplished man it's so um it's so great to have you as a member why did you decide to join the esports trade association well i first did the blues like the free meetup so it's welcome for anyone to join in and then i think i scheduled probably about four or five you know, phone calls, Zoom calls from that. And I saw it was very valuable, you know, just from the people that I met and that were on it. And I was thinking, well, I met all these great people and then to become a member of something we could, you know, directly, you know, email someone on the board. You know, what we do here is mostly local, but, you know, people have connections all over or right. they look to branch out or do an event here, you never know what opportunity might come. And then the price is very reasonable. So I was like, might as well do it. And I was like, at the end of the day, if you hate it, just got to cancel it. So I was like, have at it. And I do enjoy being a member. And then, you know, the meet members coffee did enjoy that meeting this morning. I think that's going to be a nice monthly tradition, no matter what it's really cool to connect um, with new and friends that you know. Oh, so. absolutely. And you never know who you'll meet. I mean, right. I've gone to, I went to an event one time just cause one of my friends was like, I'm going here. I'm like, okay, guess I'll go. Cause he said he was going. And then 
all of a sudden I end up meeting, you know, a per great person talking a lot about the industry, things like that. So, I mean, you just never know. And I didn't even go there with the intent of meeting anybody. I was like, okay, go there, see, you know, what happens. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, very glad. I'm just that person, you know, right, dives like this, so, oh, get a stick, test the out deep the water. I was like, oh no, just dive in head first, which sometimes is good and sometimes is bad. So far, the pros have outweighed the cons of me doing that. So I'll stick with it for now. Really, um, it's it's been a pleasure having you. I know we talked a little bit about having you and your dad on the show. So tell me why we decided to have you. Because um, I thought it was so great that you guys own this business together. And isn't your grandfather part of it too? Isn't it? No, no, so he actually, well, he had wanted to do stuff sports, but he passed away, you know, uh, before like, we had started it a few years beforehand. But Sorry. me and my dad had started business together. They did some mostly real estate is what they had did. And then my dad continued that on. I did sort of-ish a little bit. Wasn't really my thing a whole lot, but you know, all those life lessons and experiences, you know, very helpful, you know, and understanding business and, you know, just different skills within that you might learn. Yeah. You have a lot to say. I would imagine you're a great coach. Oh, well, I coached soccer just at the high school I went to as we're back and volunteered there. And uh, the kids, coaches, parents all said I was. So. so what, you know, what are some tips that you might share about coaching? What makes a good coach? What makes a good coach? So a lot of people think uh, coaching is just teaching the skills, which, yes, obviously you do want to be teaching, you know, the skills of the game and being able to see things that other coaches can't. But what's even more important in that, what I actually see is left out in coaching. And the main reason why is because most people haven't actually mastered it themselves. But within teaching the kids, because you know they talk about, oh yeah, the integrity, positivity, teamwork, all those traits. But one thing that they, I've seen so many leave out is the mental side of the game and that's what any any top athlete look at Serena Williams, A-Rod, Derek Jeter I mean they all have mastered you know that mental side of the game and truly understand and grasp the concepts that you know it's not always going to go the way you want it to and the willingness to persevere and push through things is and that's the main thing because they did a survey. I'm trying to remember what study it was, but they asked world-class and Olympian athletes what percentage of the game was mental. And the lowest anyone said was 90%. Oh my and gosh. It, yeah, and they credit, I mean, if you ask me, I'd probably say around 95% of the, the game is mental. Tell me more about that. So if it's 95%, what does it take? Well, because the thing is, I mean, yes, you do have skills and talents and all that, but what people don't realize is you are going to make mistakes and there are always going to be obstacles. You are not going to have a perfect world where everything, you know, it's like within a business plan. Everybody writes out a business plan and then you're like, this was complete waste, which you think it was because like this took twice as long, this cost way more and all those things. But then 
it's the same thing within sports. I mean, first minute of the game, you slip and, you know, make a mistake, cost the team a goal. And within soccer, I mean, basketball, it's like, okay, just a basket, two points, easy to make up. But within soccer, a goal, I mean, you may not get that goal back. And then, you know, a lot of people may get shut down from, you know, that instance. Or, you know, a fan could say something or, you know, altercation, whatever might happen. And then, I mean, I tell people they talk about at the school I played, it was during my sophomore year, I had, I was the goalkeeper. I had 16 saves in one game. And then what I tell kids all the time, I say, yeah, they talk about that. What they don't talk about, which everyone except for me forgets, is that the first 20 minutes of the game were the worst 20 minutes I'd ever played for the school. They were just terrible. I mean, I made three mistakes where I should have gotten scored on, got scored on once by it. And then I was mentally checked out of the game for those first 20 minutes. And then I had to get myself together and then lead on to, you know, making 16 saves within the entire game. And then you now everyone talk about how well I played and things like that. And because, I mean, that's going to happen in sports, you know, you're going to have those bad days and those slumps, and those mistakes, but it's just about being able to push through that. And now I do boxing, you know, just for the fun of it. And then I really see it within that. I mean, that is, I mean, mental as far as the toughness within it and then mental as far as within how you have to think psychologically and be smart. And a lot, of, I mean, even in business, it's all mental and like, you know, the willingness to persevere. And I mean, people I know that start businesses, the businesses close down after a year, but they closed, you know, mentally after two months of being in it. Cause you know, it's so hard. And then, and that's one thing, you know, I always try to stress to people and tell them, and, you know, a lot of kids don't like it. Some parents like that, tell the kids it. Some parents don't like that, tell them whether it be, you know, sports, gaming. I say, I tell them it's not easy. I tell them what it takes, the sacrifices that you have to make. And, you know, most of them hate to hear that. I'm like, that's the way it is. I'm like, I'm going to be straight up honest, you know, with you and all of it. So you were saying that first 20 minutes of the game, how do you go from 20 minutes? I mean, that's a long time to not have your head in the game. How do you get in the game then when you're just so out of the game? I'm not exactly sure of how. I mean, there was just some shit, some trigger, you know, that happened at the time. And then it was just that I realized, I was like, okay. I was like, well, you can keep playing that poorly and everything else, or you can forget about what has just happened and, you know, improve and, you know, actually do something here. And so, I mean, it was mostly the second option that I had chose. And, you know, the main thing I like to do with then was, with variables. And I know a lot of coaches, they like the workouts and training sessions to be planned out, you know, structured, you know, for, and then proper rest and recovery. I got that, the fact of why they wanted that done. But at the same time, I didn't like, I didn't like the fact that I said, sports is not a perfect world. I mean, you know, things gonna happen. You may all of a sudden body may wake up super sore on a game day or 
you never know really what could happen. There could be a family emergency where you may only get three hours of sleep or and it's all that stuff. You have to be, you know, physically and mentally prepared for it to happen. One of the things I love about this industry is the acceptance of coaching. I personally have had a success career, life, all sorts of different coaches through my life to this very day. And, and it's it, different coaches at different times. Um, that's what helps me um, with my mind check, my mindset, my, you know, me staying in lane. And I, I love that about this industry. I love that most everyone has been coached and is a coach. Oh, most definitely. And it's very challenging to get places without a coach. And right. I mean, the coach may be, you know, the YouTubers like by, by like Patrick Bet David, Tim Grover, he was another, he was a trainer of Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. He really helped me advance my mental game. And, you know, just the other people that, you know, might see on YouTube, like the actual ones that were successful and did something, not the fake people, but or, and there's some of the actually little people and things like that. And then, you know, my sister, she had went on a full ride to the Citadel for volleyball. You know, I got played soccer overseas. And then my dad, he was a three-sport athlete. He went to the United States Naval Academy, did football, boxing, and ran track there. And then people was like, oh, success just runs in the family. I'm just like, well, I mean, yes and no, but it was more so the lessons and disciplines that, you know, were passed down, you know, through, through life. And that's really, you know, what helps shape people. And then people say to me all the time, like, I feel bad for your kids. And I told my dad that he was like, he said, yeah, people said that to him too. And they said that to his dad. So I mean, I think <laughs> it's just the way thing was like, well, yeah, they may for, maybe for the first, you know, 15 years of their life, but then, you know, now very thankful for that. I always wondered what it was like to be the coach's kid, you know? Well, it depends on the coach. <laughs> That's I, true. <laughs> their kids and then others that were hard on their kids and some that just treated them the same. So it just all depends. Yeah, good answer. What a, what a great job. Um, what an incredible generational story of coaching and legacy and life lessons and entrepreneur, entrepreneurship and working together as a family. It's really, it's really great to have you part of our community. Um, did you have any parting words for us? Any parting words? So the main thing, you know, just the model I live by my life, well, going back to the Nike thing, but just do it, you know, go out there. I mean, and looking back at life, say, you know, will I regret this or anything like that? And I mean, I just want to, you know, live life with no regrets and go at it. Because what I, the, I did was I looked up the 40 regrets from 40 year olds, 30 regrets from 30 year olds and there's other regrets of older people. And then they say things like, I wish I would have learned another language. Well, I'm, I speak fluent German. Like I wish I would have, you know, traveled this place. I, 
They said like they wish they would have worked so much. They said, I wish I would have chosen a career instead of choosing you know, the job that paid more money. And it's like all these things that you know people say. And it's like at the end of their life, they're just like, I lived my life so wrong. I regretted things that I did and all that. And I was like, well, I just didn't want to be, you know, one of those people, you know, at the end of my life that said, or at 40 years old, it's like, I should have done this, I should have done that. Or, so what would you tell people thinking about getting into esports as a business owner? As a business owner. Okay. Yeah. So the main thing about it is don't just look at, you know, what's cool and the numbers, because I've seen a lot of people do that and the business is not, you know, go out very well. Because the thing is, you have to understand, it's still a business. And then being a business owner is a 60 hour minimum, which I don't even see how people work that little starting a business. Like some people succeed and said, oh yeah, to work 60 hours a week at the start. I'm not even sure how they did that. Cause <laughs> I do, yeah, 80 is a slow week for me. So usually 90 or more, but within being, it's something you have to really be passionate about. Like I love video games. I love playing them growing up. And then people asked me if I wanted to be a pro gamer when I was younger. And I was like, well, pro gaming, I really didn't know that was a thing. So no. And now if I did, because I had a friend, we would play and like play all day, all night. And then actually around the age of about 12, I was like, okay, I can't get a college scholarship playing video games. Back then you still couldn't. I was like, you can't make any money playing video games. Now I didn't know you actually could, but not nowhere near what it's like now. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna go with what's actually going to, you know, get a college scholarship or actually make money. And so that was within sports. Well, the thing is about being a business owner, I mean, you're still running a business, you're still running, working long hours. And unless if, you know, it's not like it's investing because if it's invest, like, oh, I want to invest in the industry, I see where it's going. And that's one thing. But if you're going to be the physically the person working it, unless if, you know, you have, you know, just $5 million of play money and to hire all the people and things like that, I mean, it's grueling, brutal process. You know, any business owner will tell you that. And you really have to be passionate about what you do. And then also the thing is do the research because I know so many people that own esports teams that they're like, I'm losing money on this. And like this, I thought this was going to be a revenue stream and it's not. And, and I'll say that's one thing that I did before. And the reason why I went with the Land Center model was because I thought that was actually a profitable business model out there because I searched for you know everything and so many options and then I realized that within the pro scene you really have to have like this new more so you're in like technology or software industry that does something esports related like discord or you own a pro team and I was like well I don't have millions of dollars just blow away. And even if I did, I was like, I still want, you know, the business to do well, but I was like, well, within the grassroots amateur side, I see a way of profitability and stable business. Now, is this way gonna, you know, do millions a year? I mean, potentially could, but it's actually something, you know, more proven shows that they're done well. And then here's the thing, you know, 
after doing this, there's always a chance of, you know, starting the pro esports team or whatever it might be that you want to do, you can work your way up. But I mean, the Lance the model was great, getting my foot in the door, meeting lots of great people, building those connections that are needed. Are you guys doing anything virtually or nationally so a, a or internationally? Okay. Are, so I, most of the people that do our things are uh, local here. And so we, are, we have realms in Minecraft, but we're working on getting a, a server set up for Minecraft. And then when we have that server set up so that people can participate in the workshops you know, in person or away from there, just because they start at 4.30. And so, you know, people have to work and our parents can go town and drive across town to get their kids there. So then they'll still be able to participate and learn within that. And then we can do virtual for about any game. Now it can be more challenging because if, I mean, if they're like, you know, 12 years old, then it's perfectly fine. But if you have a kid that's, you know, eight years old, then, that's very challenging to try to, you know, get stuff virtually going on. A lot of times, like our youth teams, I mean, they'll just like, oh yeah, we want to play from our house today or something. And so I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, it doesn't really matter. Like they prefer to come to their center. Something like, oh, I have a bunch of homework, got this stuff going on. Plus I'm like, I have hockey practice. So I'll get home and hop around. I'll have like 10 minutes from when I get home to when it's the competition starts. So some stuff virtually, most of it is in-house and then just looking to, you know, continue to expand and compound on that. And anything about your equipment you'd like to share before we go? We have a few more minutes. Equipment? I would say equipment's pretty standard that we have here. I mean, the graphics cards in our PCs are 2060 Supers, which are decent, not, you know, super great can always upgrade that and you know, that's an easy fix to it. Uh, I love having the server so that I update one PC in the morning and everything saves to that. I don't have to go through and individually update, you know, 30 PCs every morning. And overall, I mean, these chairs are very comfy. I can sit in them forever, but I would say nothing really that special from the typical land center, but you know, I've Love this place, love how it turned out, love being here. Thank you so much. What a great um, interview. And it, it's been awesome to hear about your land center and your legacy and your career. Um, thank you. Thank you for being a member of the Esports Trade Association and thank you for being on the show. I love what you're all doing with the Esports Trade Association. We're really looking forward to this the rest of this year. It's going to be a good year, that's for sure. Thank you, Caleb Smith. Absolutely. Thank you.